This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to the show, Mr. Brian. Thank you very much, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Okay. Today, we'll be talking about financial literacy and the state of financial literacy across the continent. And basically, our discussion will be based on uh, some of the insights that we gathered from a recent report from the standard S&P, dubbed Global Financial Literacy Survey. From the survey, uh, a lot of things stood out for me, Bran. Some of these were around risk diversification, um, as, as one of the least understood concepts in financial literacy. The other thing was uh, generally people understood things like numerous and inflation as one of the most understood concepts. And yeah. part of the report what also came out was that women's financial literacy levels are lower than men's. And the young people, the youth, are a vulnerable group and important target for financial education programs. Bran, uh, what's your view on this and what's your take from the report? So it's, it's such a big topic and something that, that I'm extremely passionate about. And it's something that's at the core of what we're trying to achieve at FXPESA. Um, it's, as you're saying, this, this survey has really brought to light that there's poor literacy rates, financial literacy rates in Africa. When it breaks down kind of knowledge around risk diversification, um, understanding of interest repayments, which is obviously a huge thing to understand, um, the vulnerable groups that you're talking about of the young, the difference between the level of financial skill between uh, females and males. It notes that normally in Europe, there's between 70 and 75% of people are literate. They understand those key things. In Africa, the rates are much smaller. There's, there's only 38% of the Kenyans that they spoke to, um, they were classed as literate. So this is something that we really, really need to improve. And you know, it's, it's things like this, you know, this podcast, the things that you guys are doing at Kenyan Wall Street, what we're doing at FX PESA, we need to come together and ensure that we're giving real financial education throughout Africa. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm, I'm talking about real financial information around financial things like compound interest. I'm talking about learning from your mistakes in finance. I'm talking about investing for the long term. I'm talking about understanding interest repayments. I'm not talking about, you know, MEMS or quick buck investment into things like Dogecoin or Bitcoin. I'm talking about that as part of it. I'm talking about risk diversification. So the more we can come together and discuss this, Eric, like we're doing today, the better. The more we bring this into the mainstream, the more that the young talk about this, the less vulnerable they are and the more they're going to start planning for their financial futures. It's incredibly important. Okay, interesting. And one of the things that I think you've noticed, and even from your recent article, is that despite uh, Africa having one of the highest rates of uptake in terms of mobile phones and even mobile money services, many users of financial service products lack basic financial skills. What's your view in terms of how do we take advantage of mobile penetration to improve uh, literacy across the continent? So this is the great news. This is this is the opportunity that we've got that in the years previous, the opportunity hasn't been there, right? We've got this huge mobile penetration going across sub-Saharan Africa. And of those people, in Africa, the majority of, of um, the young particularly, they spend kind of six, seven hours of their day on their mobile phone. Now, 
admittedly, probably a lot of that is procrastinating, spending far too much time doing things on social networks that's not very productive financially. But if we can move these people that are spending all of this time and have access um, to the internet through their mobile phone, through their smartphones, if we can start getting them to think about finance, start to get them to think about financial planning, financial freedom, if we can get them to start realizing you know, what they have to do and the moves they have to make to build a better future for themselves, we will, um, we've done a fantastic thing. And, and the opportunity is there now where we didn't have that beforehand. We were reliant very much so on what was being taught in schools, across the world, what's being taught in universities. And, and I know for my day, which was a long time ago, admittedly, but I know for my day, um, you weren't taught those things. You weren't taught valuable things like understanding moves you had to make to save money, to create a freedom fund, to invest for the long term, looking at the difference between US equities, understanding what bonds are, understanding diversification. None of these things, and, and I did an economics degree. So, you know, you would have thought these things would have come up, but they didn't. And, you know, they still don't because I, I speak to a lot of young people about this stuff, uh, understanding their tax positions, understanding fees. Um, they don't understand this as it stands. So the access to mobile phones is going to give people, as long as they're looking to find it and it's interesting to them, which it is at the minute, Eric, you know this as much as me, that, you know, the whole world is in fit, trading fever at the minute. Everyone is trading. Everyone's investing. Everyone's talking about what they want to do next. Um, particularly because of the pandemic creating this environment last year. Um, so yeah, this, this opportunity is huge for us. Let people get on their mobile phones, let them find the right information, let them talk about this in, on social networks. Incredibly exciting time. Awesome. Uh, speaking of uh, the social networks, I think what we've seen is most people spend uh, most of their time, energy time on social media. But then I think when it comes to financial skills, some of them are looking for quick bucks. How can I buy a Dogecoin yeah. and expect 50% gain within a week or Bitcoin and expect some yeah. sort of gains within a very short time? And I think, as you know, financial markets don't work that way. It's not easy to expect some sort of a very quick buck within a short time. Um, yeah. What's the best way to use social media to help improve financial literacy? I mean, this is... Uh... As you know, I'm doing a, a kind of virtual roadshow, a financial literacy a revolution across all the universities in Kenya. I'm speaking to the University of Nairobi this Friday. And one of the main things that I want to speak to these guys is exactly this. It's about social media. It's about the difference between emotion and logic, right? When you're a young person, your emotions are, are high. And when someone's showing you a, a mem on social media that's basically saying, get involved in this coin, a thousand percent return within two days, guaranteed here's the ferrari you're going to buy afterwards unfortunately it turns too many heads and too many people understand that then they're not listening at that age and i was the same you're not listening at that age as as you know you're going to have to make a little bit of sacrifice save up some money invest in the stock markets for the long term look for u.s equities that's over the last 10 years has given a 14 percent return look for um if you're going to trade short term do it as part of your risk portfolio and understand what you're getting involved in. Make sure you're using stop losses, take profits. All of these things that I'm going to be discussing um, don't sound as attractive as a very quick buck mem, right? It just doesn't look as attractive, but we need to reverse engineer this. We need to make sure we're turning this round and we need to talk to these guys and say, look, the problem is, Eric, from my side, is if the young guys have got this mentality, I don't see how it's going to end up well for them. 
on these social media platforms, extremely powerful social media platforms, 160 million unique viewers on Reddit, you know, a couple of million just on the Wall Street Bets um, forum alone, talking about these forums, these buy and buy pump and dump schemes, incredibly powerful, and they're burning into the eyes of the young. And, you know, we need to reverse engineer that and say to them, look, if, how are you ever going to be successful? Because let's say, for example, you do invest in one of these schemes and you make a lot of money very quickly. That's the best case scenario. You will invariably, 99% of the time of anyone that I've seen are going to go on to the next one and the next one and the next one until you lose all your money. And it happens with the GameStop stuff. We knew there's a lot of retail guys were left holding the baby. We know that this happens. On the flip side of that, if you're not successful when you do, you entered these trades at the wrong time and you're not thinking long-term and you've burnt all your money, to these new guys, uh, you know, the students, the young guys coming through, that may be the end of your financial career. You know, your financial view that you're looking into the future for finance, which is absolute, it's a, it's a tragedy because they're thinking, what is this? It's not for me. I invested in this. I was promised a big return. And, you know, I lost 60% of my money in 24 hours. I'm never going to get involved in the markets again. So we need to harness social media the right way. It's a fantastically positive thing because it's bringing investment to so many people. But we need to harness it and nurture it in the right way so that the young aren't going down the wrong path immediately from the first time they take the first step into finance. Cool. Interesting. And the concept of savings and investing and borrowing is one that most people really don't understand because you have to start with savings first, then you invest those savings, uh, yeah. then you can probably go now going to borrowing. And across Africa, across the continent, one of the things that we've witnessed is a very high uptake of mobile loans, and not just in Africa, but across most emerging and frontier markets. But the knowledge of related financial concepts, it's not really keeping up. And uh, as you see, most of these people rely on most of this short-term credit. I mean, most short-term credit users do not fully understand the speed at which some of uh, the interest compounding can inflate total amounts. Yeah. How do you think we should improve this? Um, Albert Einstein was a guy that was a little bit more intelligent than most. Um, <laughs> and he also said that uh, compound interest is the third wonder of the world. Uh, he said that those that understand it earn it and those that don't pay it. That has always stuck me, that quote because it's a real realization when you think of that, that the, the mass majority of the world have no idea just what an awful day it is the day that you borrow money, the very first day you borrow money. And this is going right the way from you know, the young to even corporations, right? Now you see people, how much they celebrate the days that they get investment into a company from an external body, or, you know, the day that they've borrowed money from a bank. You know, I've 10 millions come into the company. You know, you owe that 10 million and you owe repayments on that 10 million that is going to compound significantly over time. And it's the same for the person that needs to borrow money. Look, life gets in the way, right? Sometimes you need to go out and get money for whatever happens short term. But I think there's a culture now globally, not just in Africa, that young people are borrowing money for a short term want and that ends up impacting their life from that day forward they end up getting into this spiral of always borrowing money and then having to repay substantial amounts off the back of it so it's another thing around the literacy eric isn't it it's, a, it's another thing about you know having the culture kind of change where the young are discussing amongst themselves that that's not what you want to do you don't want to borrow money for a short term one and the young to understand the compounded repayments and it, there needs to be more transparency Right. I think in answer to your question about, you know, 
what can be done how can we improve it um the government needs to help on this as well i've seen this drive in a lot of countries where they make the interest for payments very transparent on any borrowings that's happened. It's like, you know, straight away, you'll understand what you're paying back in two years, five years, 10 years. And normally when, when someone looks at that in black and white in front of them, that's the first moment that they have a reality check of, oh, I, you know, I can't believe borrowing this small amount of money results in me having this pain for the next however many years or months. So I think the government can really help with those things in, in they can help even more. And, again, it all feeds into the financial literacy piece, just changing the culture and the understanding of these things. Interesting. Speaking of uh, investing in the financial markets, we've seen um, one, one of the things that has happened since the onset of the pandemic is that there's, there's a huge interest across the global financial markets. But when you look back at our African stock exchanges, participation is still very, very low, particularly among retail investors. And yeah. the main reason is that most of the continent's exchanges are not really liquid enough to offer the kind of returns that we are seeing across the global market. What's your view in terms of how to improve this while also mixing, uh, giving investors the opportunity to invest their local markets as well as the global market? Yeah, I mean, I feel exactly the same way about this. So look at Kenya as an example. When we've spoken to, to many 35-year-old plus Kenyans, um, they're still very much in the frame of mind of local equities plus bonds. Mm-hmm. They're still thinking about local stocks. And invariably now, when anyone thinks about local stocks, they're just thinking about Safaricom, right? They're not even really diversifying too far away from that, as you can see by the volumes that are going through the NSE. But when they get, they, they've still been blinkered to understand the returns that are coming globally and this is one of the big things that fx peso egm we stand for you know saying to kenyans diversify last year um the majority of african stock markets they lost between 7 and 15 percent through the year right now the nasdaq finished the year up 43 percent, i think 43.4 percent, something like that and there was huge gains to be had from the March coronavirus dips to the end of the year in the majority of global main indices, right? Now, the people that didn't have access to that, they're kind of just investing in something fairly blindly, not, not too blindly. They understand the local stocks. They understand the fundamentals, of course. They understand bonds. But they're not understanding the returns they can get from other asset classes or from other regions, stock markets. And we need to democratize that. We need to give access, right? We need to give access to US equities. We need to give access to commodities, oil, um, gold, silver. These things have got a lot of movement to them and you can trade them short term and they've had some fairly predictable moves short term. So there's been a lot of money made by traders and you can trade them long term as well. So, yeah, I agree. You know, we need to educate again um, people and it's happening for sure. I, I'm feeling over the last couple of years that I've been working with Kenyans and visiting Kenya multiple, multiple times. The conversation's really switching to thinking global and it's a great thing to be happening. Okay, interesting. As we come to a close of this podcast, I know you are very passionate about helping the youth understand financial literacy in some of these terms. Maybe you can speak about what Equity, EGM or FXPESA and some of the programs that you are doing or you have implemented around this space and the biggest accomplishments that you've seen ever since. Yeah. Um, okay. FX Pesa, we've got five big, big, big goals in Africa and, and in Kenya. Things that, you know, a real purpose of what we're doing and really driving all of our staff 
Um, we've got a big team in Nairobi, team in Nakuru. Everyone is behind these five things of building this new industry because, as you know, we were the first regulated broker in East Africa. So we find a, a tremendous sense of pride with that and responsibility. We're pushing this, this brand new industry um, in Kenya. We're very proud of our 50-50 split, men and women. Um, we've got 50-50 split between male and female staff, both executive and staff level. We think that we need more women in finance. Some of the, by far the best, some of the best people that I'm working with in Kenya are female. We want to keep on nurturing that. We've got this social responsibility. We've, we invest heavily in um, the local economy. Uh, we invest in creating local jobs and financial literacy. Financial literacy is, is you know, hugely important for us. And this is why we're doing this Financial Literacy Revolution Roadshow. And thank you for having me on your podcast. And we're incredibly passionate about it, as you mentioned. Um, I'm fortunate enough that this you know, the wealth and trading industry has been very good to me. I've had a lot of fun. I've created a life for me and my family. I want to give back. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing this university tour as well. And part of giving back is, well, FX Pesa, even currently, we've hosted around 500 webinars and trained close to 50,000 individuals already, which is an incredible achievement. And we're very, very proud of it. Um, and we created this FX PESA product as well for people that were new to the market, right? FX PESA, what does it stand for? It's ease of onboarding, ease of payments through M-PESA, um, a very simple trading app, global assets, access, fantastic access to global markets. So we created all of these things that we're very, very proud of for Africa and for Kenya. And obviously we keep building that every time, every day as well. Arguably the best spreads in the market as well for our premier account. Um, so we're consistently speaking to our clients. We're consistently understanding more about the market in Kenya and we're educating. So yeah, lots of things for us to be uh, particularly proud of. As we close, maybe you can provide us with some last words of wisdom or advice on how to improve our financial health in general. My man on improving, generally improving. So I would say that my mantra that I keep on pressing is to save, learn, invest and be patient. Right. I, I think I wrote a piece earlier um, about patience this year. Um, saving is hard. OK, so I know saving is hard. That's the bit where everyone has to really soul search and understand what can they change about their life? What can they do to get this money together to start thinking about investing? They need to learn more. So they need to do things like this, Eric, you know, listen to this podcast, listen to other podcasts, do their own reading, get some books, practice on demo accounts. You know, they need to do these things. Um, and then, and then invest. And what I mean by invest, I don't just mean obviously invest in the markets, of course, invest, uh, trade, start to understand the products that you want to trade. I mean, invest in yourself, you know, just, just grow as a person. Um, I think the best people, the wealthiest people that I've seen really take care of themselves. I think that's all that we forget about that. Take care of themselves. They eat the right thing. They work out, you know, that all of these things be healthy body, mind, and then financially you'll be healthy as well. And then patience. 53% of people that search for financial freedom leave within a year because they do things like, as we said, heavy high risk investments into cryptocurrencies or something like that. 53% of people leave within a year. Now, 80% of people claim to be successful, consistently profitable after they've been stuck at it for four years. And that was definitely the case for me. You know, I made some mistakes for sure in my first few years. And I've become infinitely better investor and trader over the last five years. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for 15 years. 
so you need to be patient with yourself. You need to realize you're not going to understand everything to start with. Make some mistakes, but learn from them. Grow, learn more, read more around the topic, have more conversations, stick with it. And then you'll get there. You'll get there in the end. So in most things in life, practice and experience makes you better. Um, it's the same with investing. Just you know, commit to yourself to doing it, focus and go for it. Okay. Uh, how can uh, the listeners get in touch with you on your social media pages? So I set up a Twitter page in December, particularly for these conversations, to have these conversations with, um, with Africans, with Kenyans. It's at BJ Myers UK, at BJ Myers UK. And you can get me on there anytime. I'm actively having conversations on there. I'm, I'm trying to dip in and out of conversations. I'm learning from people all the time. I'm learning what Kenyans are interested in and what they're looking at. And I'm trying to give as much um, knowledge and give some experience and my mistakes on there as well and give everyone kind of highlights on the day of what to look for and, and uh, a bit of education around the topic as well so get me on twitter 